Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pass to me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes, minutes of the show. The host of Comics Watching Comics on my show about comics talking about comics. I'm joined today by Kevin Goody. How's it going, Kevin? Hello, sir. How are you this fine evening? Oh, I'm all right. I found out today I have bronchitis, but uh, luckily we're not in the same room, so can't pass that on to you. <laughs> that stinks. <laughs> get better, get rest, and uh, get laid? I, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, I just finished with a vacation, so uh, we'll see. Where'd you go? Uh, I went to Kimberley um, in in the interior of British Columbia, just did, doing a bit of skiing. Gotcha. Um, how's your day going? It's going well. It's funny. You go, you go skiing in your cold weather, and I go to the Caribbean on my vacation. I just got back myself from uh, Cayman Islands, so it's two polar opposites. Just setting up some offshore accounts. <laughs> Everyone says that, and the answer is yes. No, uh, it's uh, no, it's just to get the great island. It's uh, get out of the cold. It's warm. It's beautiful, and uh, and pricey. That's for sure. But uh, oh, really? Fantastic. Yeah, it's quite. Their uh, their dollar is a dollar twenty U.S. So, and uh, it's expensive to begin with. So that shit adds up really fast. I guess it's all that billionaire money floating around. That it is. That it is. Uh, so you're the host and creator of Comics Watching Comics. Guilty. Yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Comics Watching Comics is a show I have now on Amazon Video. Seasons 1 through 7 now available on Amazon Prime. Season 8 uh, should be coming out any day now, so uh, stay on the lookout for that. But the show is this. we uh, It's Last Comic Standing meets uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. That is the show. We take uh, each season 25 comics and we, uh, we tape them and then we take the footage to my house where myself and uh, panelists who are more tenured in their, in their years and more successful, we kick back, we, uh, we praise, we offer advice, uh, and if the comic is terrible, we, uh, we shit on them. So that's the, uh, the show in a nutshell. At the end of every season, we pick a winner to perform at a showcase at Gotham Comedy Club. And the audience at home plays along, too. They pick their favorite panelist uh, via social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, they vote on their favorite panelists that they want to see come back to the following season. Or the all, excuse me, the all-star season. Uh, and we actually just had that season air on season seven of the show so it's uh if you like comedy if you're a stand-up fan of stand-up comedy we pull back the curtain and show you how the fudge is packed as they say and uh it's a hell of a fun ride and good time and we show you how comedy uh you may think is easy but it is not i promise you that uh, that's definitely a common theme i hear on this show who are some of the uh judges you've had on there that people might recognize uh you may recognize from season eight coming up shuli agar from the howard stern show oh wow yeah mike bachetti from the Artie lang and howard stern show also in season eight season seven gino bisconti he's on in hot water on the kumia network anthony kumia from opie anthony does has his own network now Gino does a great show on there called In Hot Water. I've been on that twice. He's a great and funny dude. Jim Mendrinos from season four on Living in Exile, also on Amazon uh, Prime. 
uh, and let me think. Cal Montgomery, women of uh, uh, women of a certain age uh, on Showtime should be coming out in the next month or so. She's on season six. Uh, Jimmy Fallon on Fox News, season one. That's uh, those are those are some of our uh, well known uh, panelists. Uh, who have been some of the standout comics from the show? Uh, Jason Scoop won season one. He went on to do uh, last or is it first impressions with Dana Carvey, which aired on USA Network for just a season, but nonetheless he did well, and uh, he won his episode. We're happy to say of uh, first impressions. Uh, let me think here. Who else did we? Mike Keegan, another uh, guy is on the fast rise up on season was he six? Yes, season six. And uh, Gianmarco Cerezzi. Uh, and th- these are all, by the way, intermediate comics. So if you haven't heard of them, that's fine. But I promise you this, you will. Uh, these guys and girls are all shooting up pretty fast amongst the, uh, the ranks in the comedy world, which is uh, very, very hard to do. And that's what the idea of the show is also, is to give exposure via a brand new avenue to, uh, to intermediate comics. It's sort of what we're trying to do here, but I I, th- I think a few rungs lower uh, from where I started. Yeah, do you have any uh, horror stories? Oh my god! Uh, of of what? Just in comedy in general? Uh, on the show specifically, but it sounds like uh, maybe there's a follow up there. <laughs> on the show, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. It's funny. One girl did not like her review, and she then the show was on YouTube first, and then it went to Amazon Video, Amazon Prime. Excuse me. And she called, uh, wrote YouTube and said, "Hey, I don't want this on here." YouTube writes me and says, "Hey, we're gonna, we, we, we were someone asked to yank their video, you know, uh, does it meet our uh, practice and standards?" I said, "Go well. Here's their waiver that they signed, and this person didn't receive a favorable view, so basically they can go fuck themselves because I have a waiver from them." And they said, "Oh, you're good to go." So I mean, that, that's not really a horror story, but it's, I thought it was a funny story from the show. I mean, it's there's no one. There's no one, I guess, that's a horror story. I mean, people have really eaten shit. And the people who, are, who want to be good comics realize it and they go, hey, thanks for really pointing out the errors of my ways. Um, we do a, a thing on the live show. It's called Redemption Section where I took four comics who really bombed on their initial appearance and I gave them a shot at the live show. They each had one minute in front of the live audience and uh, the, the audience there uh, voted to see who was going to do a full set right then and there that night. And uh, we had that happen, so... It's funny. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of obviously. I think a lot of the funny stuff I have to cut sometimes because it's too mean or or too cutting. And uh, I'd love to release one day like a DVD or you know like a best of of you know uh, the panel saying the meanest, but you know funny but meanest and darkest shit, but just not show the comic that we're talking about. I think that'd be funny. So those are just a few of the things about the show. Um, we even got on there the last season. JD Smooth's brother in season seven. He's on the show. And um, he takes a good beating. Let's put it like that. So when when the comics bomb, do you think that a lot of the time it's uh, to do with that they need the energy of a crowd rather than a small panel? Well, they perform the the, the videos. The, the comics perform in front of uh, an audience of their peers as well as their peers' friends. So there are, there's at least fifty people plus in that crowd. Right. Uh, a crowd full of comics, so not always the best crowd. Some uh, crowd. You know, see, the season. Four and five crowds were great. The energy was insanely high. But, and we take that into account. We do. Uh, but if they're bombing, they, uh, it's because I think they, they didn't take it seriously, for sure. 
or they've lied about their tenure because uh, I ask people for at least three years to be on this, you know, because by three years you should have at least five minutes. And I think people, I know people have snuck in under that three-year marker and we'll, we'll see it in 30 seconds on how new and inexperienced you are. It doesn't mean that if you're under three years, you can't be very good. I'm not saying that, but I kind of do that as a safeguard so we don't, you know, destroy the hopes and dreams of someone new and trying to see like, oh, I can get a TV credit here by doing this and lying about how long I've been doing it, but, you know, we're going to catch you. Nine times out of ten, it's going to backfire, extremely backfire against you. So do you think something like this show uh, would have helped you at that stage of your career? It would have hurt me. Uh, that is for sure. Everyone thinks they're better than they are because obviously they, they stay within the circle of their friends. And not many people are going to be honest and go, no, that sucks. Or that's good, but it could use a tweak. Or oh, that's very good, but mostly that sucks. I mean, you suck when you're beginning. I don't care what you know uh, job you do in life. You're going to suck in the beginning, especially comedy. It's such a weird act to follow. There's no real syllabus really to, 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 to follow along. And the business of phonies. I mean, people want to see people fail because that way they can that increases their chances. I mean, the good ones want to see people succeed because it, you know all all you know all ships are raised via the t- rising tides. You know, so but you're not gonna get the truth and honesty you are uh, anywhere else except from our show. And my show kind of spawned from Last Comic Standing because I got so angry because they weren't they weren't truthful. The only person who was truthful was Norm Macdonald. He had the balls to say if you sucked and why. Whereas the other panelists would say, oh, that was great. And you're like, no, that was shit, you know? So that's uh, that's why this show is different than others. So how did you get started? In comedy, uh, I just walked into open mic and haven't stopped since. In fact, I celebrated my nine-year anniversary yesterday. Go figure. Oh, congratulations. Thank you been a weird weird ride uh, what did that ride look like it's a ride where it's it's taken so many turns i know it sounds cliche but i never were expected to end up where i am i don't know where i am either uh uh i am now for example when i started comedy I'm like oh i'll be a road comic i'll be on the road all the time and and make my bones that way well i also do voiceover now i never in a million years would have guessed i do uh voiceover work I never would have guessed I've come up with TV shows uh, you know if you told me that nine years ago I'd go yeah right get the fuck out of here but uh, I have and that's that's why it's been a very weird road so many opportunities just present themselves you know, I performed in strip clubs I performed at uh, two Sweet 16 parties It's it's been a uh, very interesting journey and the people that you meet holy shit you can write books on uh, on the types of people that you meet in this business for sure it's definitely something it's it's such a unique journey that unless you're in it i can't even do it justice to talk about the life of a stand-up to uh people who aren't in it in as great detail and with emotion as i can with somebody in it but it's really a bit again been such an a weird emotional journey so far so speaking of that outside of what most people seem to love most about stand-up and comedy is the actual performing of it itself what would you say is your favorite or the most rewarding part uh the most rewarding part is getting paid that's for sure uh being good enough where you're actually paid to do it that's uh that's always a pleasure because people when when you're good enough they'll start hey man i got a show or you know they do that that's when you know you're you're getting somewhere uh i would say secondly is when audiences come right up to you and they demand to take a picture, shake your hand. Hey, let me get your card. Where can I see you next? Or, hey, tell me about that show that you have, man. That sounds really cool. I want to see that. Or, 
Uh, I was actually, uh, I don't know, three or four years in, maybe. I was approached for, uh, for an autograph. I go, oh, this... I got, it was funny. It was like a young teenager. It was like, man, you're so great. I, you know, I want you to... Can you sign this for me? I'm like, sure. It's not going to be worth shit, but nonetheless, here you go. But uh, no, I, I guess those are the three things. And, uh, you know, and your peers recognizing you as well for your greatness. That also uh, definitely helps as well. What well, What would be some of the worst things? Bombing. And, bombing is... There's an, there are different levels of bombing where it's just like, this crowd just fucking hates me and I'm going to go down with a blaze of glory. Or it's just no matter what I say and do, they fucking hate me. And then when you're done, if you're standing around talking, they'll go up to your friends and go, hey man, you were great. And they'll look at you and kind of give like an eye and then walk away. And you're like, oh boy. Like that, it's just... The, the stench of bombing, like, it, it's funny. Like people <laughs> people almost like stay away from me if you've bombed. Like, yeah, I'll see you later. Or it's just they don't want that, you know, bombing feeling to be contagious, if you will. So it, it's that's bad when you just really eat dick in front of a crowd, especially when you eat dick in front of a, a real hot crowd and then you go up and lay a goose egg. I mean, that's happened and that, boy, does that suck. That really sucks is when you, you bomb in front of a crowd that's ready-made. That's that that hurts. Do you have any advice on moving past that? Because I'm I can imagine lying awake at night. Don't let it get to you. I mean, if you do, if you do two sets in one night. One set can be an absolute murder. We just destroy and you kick ass and it's fantastic. Uh, and then the very next set, the very you know the very same night, four blocks away, twenty minutes later, you can do the same exact set. And it is a shit show. So suggestion, just don't let it get to you. If you think you've got to, you know, find your comedy friends, go over their, uh, go over your jokes with them. Maybe they can offer some advice like, hey man, would you mind just sitting watching me, like watch my set and see if you notice any bad habits or maybe something you can tweak in the jokes. I mean, again, that's asking a friend. I think the best thing also you can do, of course, is video or, uh, or you know, just pull out your phone and pull out the recording app and record yourself and listen. You'll hear the pops. You'll hear the you'll hear the lulls. And just listen to that and make notes. Write, write, write. And stage time, stage time, stage time. Those are your two biggest pieces of advices that I've been given. I know it's hack, but uh, it's very true. Repetition is uh, is the best. That's what you got to do. Those are, that's the advice I can offer you. So you also do film reviews on your YouTube channel. I do. I do uh, on my on my website, kevingoatee.com, I do reviews. I, it's, uh, I'm a big movie guy, and I'm, boy, do I have opinions, especially about a lot of the shit that's out there now. Well, what are some of your favorite films from the last year? The last year? So you're asking me about 2018 then. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout was a fucking tour de force. I uh, I loved Avengers: Infinity War. It was amazing. Black Panther was pretty good. Not as great as everybody made it out to be, but pretty good. Uh, let me think what else came out last year. I'll tell you. Incredibles two, fantastic. Uh, A Quiet Place, very underrated. Spider Man into the Spider Void, very good. Vice, pretty darn good. Oh, Halloween the reboot uh, was excellent. Uh, I like Deadpool too. Those uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, the Won't You Be My Neighbor film was amazing. Uh, instant tearjerker. I've been afraid to watch that one because I don't want it to bum me out. Oh, I won't bum you out, man. He 
he honestly is the, the the greatest human being that's ever lived, like the nicest person in the world. And you you know, there's no one who roots against Mister Rogers, never. So it's it's great, 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 great. Can uh, can can't recommend that enough. That should have been one of the best picture films. Uh, what about the other side of the coin? What did what is some of your least favorites? Least favorites of last year. Uh, Venom was garbage. Did not like that. I wasn't crazy about Annihilation. I wouldn't say it sucked though. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, it was okay. Definitely not best picture worthy. Um, I was disappointed by Ralph Breaks the Internet. I love Wreck-It Ralph. Love, love, love the third act of this film. You're like, wait, what? No. Ant-Man and the Wasp, not good. Bumblebee, disappointing. Uh, They had a chance or two to make it great, and they did not. Uh, So I was not crazy about Bumblebee. Solo wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was. It was all right. Uh, Game Night was terrible. Ready Player One was so disappointing for me. I love the book. One of my favorite books of all time. And they, uh, Spielberg screwed the pooch by trying to make it all Spielberg-y where everything has a happy ending and not, it's all cheery. Because in the book, you know, people die. In the film, no one does. Uh, and the film The Meg was actually a book as well called The Trench. The Trench was great. The book, the, the movie The Meg, not great. Uh, wasn't crazy about that. And uh, oh, Jurassic Park: Fallen Kingdom was terrible. What a sh- what a joke that was. Not good. I enjoyed Lost uh, the the new one. The law was it Lost World? I guess the new the second newest uh, iteration of it. But uh, it was it was it Lost World or no? Jurassic Jurassic World. Jurassic World. Right. The, Lost World was yeah. the second one, which sucked. Uh, Jurassic World was great. Fallen Kingdom was terrible. Um, when you have one of the best characters of that series in the first and last. You know, scenes of it, not throughout, waste. So, not a fan of that. So, those are the ones I did not like last year. What about yourself? Agree, disagree? Well, it sounds like you've seen about everything. Uh, I definitely <laughs> disagree about Annihilation. I think that's a top five of them. You liked Annihilation? I did. I liked it a lot. It makes me want to read the book. A lot of people loved it. I get it. I get it. Just it wasn't for me. I didn't, I didn't dig it. But a lot of people loved it, so that's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to shit on that one. I like really wacky, trippy stuff. One of my favorite films last year was Mandy. I don't know if you saw that one. I did. I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, everyone hyped it up. It's fine. It was just, okay. It's the, the, the score was great. It's Nicolas Cage not doing Nicolas Cage. I don't think there was much to it except, again, the way it was shot. So, again, that kind of ties into what you said was your wheelhouse. So Yeah, I like my head to be messed with. Uh, I also like Hereditary from, from that year. That was made me scared of horror movies again. It's one of the, I think, scariest movies I've ever seen. I didn't catch that yet. That's in the queue. So I'll get to that. If you like horror, it's uh, maybe top five all time. Okay. I, and you said you liked Halloween, but... Uh, oh, that was great. I guess, we'll, I guess we'll see. You might go into it and think, like, what is this guy thinking? But... No, I loved Hereditary. I haven't heard a bad word about it yet. And Climax was a, a sleeper hit for me. Um, that was the new Gaspar Noé film. And I went into that completely blind in that my girlfriend took me, didn't tell me what, what we were going to see, and didn't let me look at the, the door or the posters on the way in. And I hadn't heard of the movie at all. So I had no idea that it was sort of a uh, psychological horror at all until the horrific shit started happening. Uh-huh. So that was an interesting way to see a movie. I wish I could see every movie that way, but it's just uh, not the reality. Did you see A Quiet Place? I did. I really liked that one. I loved it too. I was going to ask you if you, if you saw it because I actually – I heard – I saw the previews ago. Ah, eh, who cares? Then everyone said it's great. So then they said, but I mean, obviously there's no score. And everyone said, you know, make sure you go when there's no one around. So I went like, a, I don't know, 3 o'clock on a Thursday – after a few weeks after it was open, and it was great because actually the few people that were in the theater 
we're, sh- we're we're quiet, so I got to really get into it and really appreciate it even more so. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this as well. They are doing a sequel to it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'd like to see more of that uh, world building expanded. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to that. I thought that the characters made some silly choices, but not not so silly that uh, it, that it pulled me out of it. Agreed. Come aboard and bring along all your hopes and dreams because we're taking you on a Patreon-exclusive journey through the epic of One Piece. That's right. We'll be tackling the almost 1,000-episode anime One Piece, 10 episodes at a time. Compass left behind, it'll only slow us down. We're not allowed to take notes or research anything during this project, so let's see where the wind takes us. Catch our new podcast, 1000 Pieces, only on patreon.com slash cavegoblins. There's always room for you if you want to be our friend. We are, we are on the cruise. Before the show, I asked Kevin about a comedic influence to talk about today, and he came back with Rodney Dangerfield. So, Kevin, what does uh, Rodney Dangerfield mean to you? Rodney Dangerfield... If you have to pick an all-time comic, everyone has their own personal favorites, but there's no one alive or dead who should, who would who would say he's not the greatest. I mean, go go YouTube his Tonight Show appearances with Carson. He fires out jokes at such a rapid and consistently funny rate. It's frustrating as hell as a comic because he goes, "I'll just never be that funny," like because he's that great. His timing, his face, everything. He was he's just perfect. Just being in the moment. And his films, too. Caddyshack is my all-time favorite film. I'm not saying best film, but it's it's my favorite film of all time. Back to School, another classic film. Easy Money. I liked it. Not one of my favorites, but it's fine. Uh, but a lot of people love it, and I'm not going to shit on that point. I think it's a great film as well, to some degree. But, I mean, his film, he had a great film career, especially in the beginning. And even the, the Test of Time uh, you know, people still mimic him and, and, and the way he talks and he acts and, you know, and Caddyshack, my God, that's definitely stood the test of time. People still talk about it, uh, quote it nonstop. That's, that's another true sign of a fantastic film. And, and as well as him, I mean, you can quote, you know, I think the average person can do maybe at least three Rodney Dangerfield-esque lines or jokes. If you're a fan, you can fire out 20 without thinking twice. Very, very uh, influential in my life for sure. Yeah, I think uh, back to what you said on that. He sort of invented that trope. It's a trope now, but of the bumbling new money rich guy. Right. So like in Caddyshack, like where you, you expect him to be a, a hateable character, but he's he's uh, super endearing that way. Right. And there's a million people that would be referencing him in other works and not even realize they were doing it. I love uh, when he appeared on The Simpsons as Mr. Burns' son. Yeah. I think that was actually my first exposure to him as a child without without realizing who he was and just finding that character so funny. How about you? Where did you first come across him? Let me think. It probably was. Well, so I'm, I'm obviously older than you are. I'm going to say I remember, I remember two things. I remember back to school was probably the first thing I saw because I was 10 when that came out. And Caddy, I didn't see Caddyshack until later. So back to school is PG thirteen. So that's why probably my parents wanted to let me watch it. And then I remember, like, whenever we would get the free HBO previews, he had the Rodney Dangerfield Young Comic Specials, and he brought, and that's another thing too. He brought up so many comics: Tim Allen, Roseanne, uh, Drew Carey, Bob Saget, Jim Carrey, Dice Clay. I mean, 
the names of con the, the list of comics he gave chances to that that made it and blew up. That list is huge, and he was just known for giving comics chances. So that's something else I like to fancy myself as is trying to do that as well with my uh, show. But I mean, he's just, I would say Back to School is the first thing I can remember, and the HBO specials he had too. I go, God damn! I remember my dad just going crazy, like laughing his ass off, and. Years later, I guess, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, I found like a, a DVD collection of Rodney's uh, appearances on The Tonight Show, and I bought it for my dad for Christmas. And, you know, It's funny, our family, we just give you know, a list like, hey, here's all the stuff that I want. And I told my dad, I go, I don't want your list. I, said, I know exactly one thing I'm going to get you, and, and that's it. And he opened it, and that was by far the biggest hit of the, uh, of, of the Christmas for him that year was getting that collection of Rodney appearances because he, he just loves Rodney as much as I do and, and so on and so forth and I also when Napster came around and all that LimeWire shit I got uh, I, I started downloading all of his albums and whatnot on uh, and, and just listing them over and over and over and I still listen to him and I'll pull a joke I forgot about I'm like god damn he's so so quick and funny it's just oh god best of all time I, I just there's no one who can out, no one who can change my mind on that Point, you know, point, period, end, end of statement, that's it. He's just got so much so much range as well. He's known mostly for his, his one-liners and obviously has no respect bits, but um, his crowd work is just so amazing as well. Like you see in some of those specials where he'll come down into the crowd and, and riff off people and uh, be burning people, but pulling it back to himself as well. It, it, it was never, whenever he would punch down, he would uh, sort of punch laterally at himself as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, his tale of coming up is even funnier, too, how he was a comic. Then he quit. Then he sold aluminum siding in North Jersey, not far from me, and came back into comedy. Took a pay cut while working the, the casinos in Vegas to go film Caddyshack, and the rest is history. You know, he made it late in life, and I think he might have been a little bit bitter. It took people to recognize his greatness, but, man, at least they did, because we're all better for it. Believe that. I wonder if it's one of those things where uh, his age and his bitterness actually enhanced the act to the point where it became recognized. Yeah, and also, too, we, he even did dr uh, drama role. He was the uh, asshole molesting dad in uh, Natural Born Killers, if you've seen that one. Yeah, I have, where uh, Robert Downey Jr. first first debuted his Australian accent. <laughs> I think that was just kind of maybe on the path to coming back kind of sort of i mean iron man's the official comeback we all know that but i think he's still trying to like ah, eh, i'm still here i'm not dead of drugs yet kind of thing i love that movie and yeah it is you do forget that he's in that because he's not playing a comedic role at all it's uh really unsettling he, he does it well i would have liked to see him do that more as well i think he had a dramatic bone yeah no he definitely did it, it, you're right it was just and i saw that the theater go really wow it's I, I don't like dark. I mean, it was, you appreciated that was a pretty uh, good, you know, role there. But like, I don't like dark Rod Rodney. I love uh, lighthearted Rodney. You know, I, I like Rodney Rodney, not this shit. This is uh, not a Rodney I, I want to see normally. I guess that's why it works as well because when you see him, you have this uh, sort of sense memory of like this this goofy quippy dude, and then he's playing this absolute monster. It's works for people like when Jim Carrey plays dark. Uh, 
or when Robin Williams was in one hour photo as well. It's, I did see uh, that. Yeah, that's a that's a creepy one. I don't know. I didn't have. A, I wasn't like, oh no, Robin, don't do that. I I, I guess. Uh... I don't know why it didn't bother me as much as it did when it was with Rodney. I guess I obviously have more of a affection for Rodney. Nothing against Robin Williams. He's great too, but yeah, Rodney's my guy, you know? Yeah. I think comics do really well at dark roles because it's so, it's so borderline anyway, comedy and, and, and horror really. I feel like they, they touch on the same kind of impulses. Well, when you talk to a lot of comics, most come, a lot are coming from a, you know, deep, dark place. You know, with comedy, you know, they didn't have the best childhoods or upbringings. And, you know, it's it's a lot easier to get for them to that dark place because of maybe maybe even also mental illness. There's a lot of that in this in this industry. That is for sure. And uh, I think it might be easier just to tap into that as a comic because of that, you know, the way they've grown up. Yeah, it's sort of like the trying to make a career out of a defense mechanism. Exactly. What else was I going to say about uh, Rodney? Did you have anything else you wanted to touch on about him before we wrap up? I mean, not really. I mean, look, he's great. I mean, he's, I, he's the greatest. I mean, people want to sit and, and you have your favorites. I mean, some people will say Carlin. I don't think so because, you know, his, every other one of his specials, you're like, eh, it's a lecture. I don't want to be lectured. I want to laugh. And whoever else you may find funny. But, I mean, pound for pound, there's no one who can argue that he's not the greatest because, again, he was just – Rapid fire delivering, you know, he he, he was shooting, he was shooting uh, BBs every time. Bang, 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 bang. You know, it was just nonstop winning quick one-liners. I mean, it's a lot harder to fill an hour with one-liners than it is, you know, as a storytelling comedian. You know, because obviously you need a hell of a lot more material, and he did it. He filled that hour with just joke after joke after joke that were just a. A plus, A minus, even B plus. So I mean, again, and, and his film career was uh, is pretty storied and, and just you know, find me someone who hates Rodney Dangerfield films. I mean, okay, Ladybugs was not good. I'll give you that. <laughs> but other ones, uh, man, they've stood the test of time, and and he's influenced generations of comics. And like I said before, given the, a ton of huge names now, and even then, uh, chances. So. Yeah, Rodney's always going to have a special place in my heart and in this house, that's for sure. Yeah, I feel the same way. Uh, well, what are you working on right now? Uh, well, we wrapped Fantasy Football Jibber Jabber, so if you're a football fan, a fantasy football fan, catch me next uh, August. Uh, from there on out, where every week I go on and I talk uh, who the fantasy football plays of the week are going to be, who to avoid, and also, more importantly, how to win that sweet, sweet, sweet Free money. Uh, I was 61% against the spread last year. I'm a bit of a sports handicapper, my friend. So uh, I, I like to think that's my secondary income, which it really is. So sports, uh, sorry, uh, fantasy football jibber-jabber on YouTube and hopefully on a network coming. We're trying to pitch that as well. But now for sure, definitely comics watching comics. Uh, Amazon Prime, seasons one through seven. Comicswatchingcomics.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, actually Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's at Comics Watching. Uh, you can see photos from behind the scenes, see some of the panelists in action doing stand-up on their own. And uh, KevinGoatee.com, uh, K-E-V-I-N-G-O-O-T-E-E.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you'll see me, actually you'll see me when I do football picks, you'll see me holding my little daughter in my arms as she eats a cookie. Uh, and I give the picks of the week out, so you can see my daughter in the action as well. But 
No, uh, KevinGoatee.com, you see the film reviews as we talked about over there. You'll see uh, what else I've got going on, dates where you can see me as well. So that's what the the two major spots you can find me on, KevinGoatee.com, Comics, bunch of comics on Amazon Video. Well, thanks so much for talking to me tonight, Kevin. Thanks for having me, man. This is a great uh, chat to sit back and, and uh, talk about your favorite you know, comedians. It's uh, David Tell is my first choice, but that's getting, that's good because somebody else has great taste as well. Then, because David Tell and, and Ronnie are, are the one A and one B in my book, so it's uh, that's cool that someone else loves them as much as I do. Yeah, so check out that episode as well. Uh, can't remember off the top of my head who talked about him, but I think possibly Mark Hughes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Cave Goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It's absolutely the best way to support the show at no cost. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. I'm Doug Vandalay. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.